0: Welcome to Conversations with Coley, where we have conversations about subjects we think about but often don't speak about. My name is Nicole Miller, and I'm the author of this book series, A through Z, Guide to Raising a Good Human, a series I wrote to help in the communication process. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Dawn Placer. Dawn Placer is the founder and owner of Aspire Life Coaching. At age 11, she went through a bitter divorce with her parents where her father took custody of her and she was unable to see her mother and live with her for three years. That affected Dawn in a lot of ways as girls really want to see their mothers and be with them. She didn't understand why her father wouldn't let her. Then at age 16, she was walking down the street going home for the evening and a strange man snatched her up and tried to assault her she was able to break free we join dawn's story when she is age 20. So now you're 20 and you get married what was that like
1: so that was also that was a combination of things one right I don't know how to plan my life so I'm taking things one day at a time Um, I met him at the men's clothing store that I was working in at the time he bought some clothing he had me help he was with a buddy and then before the mall closed, they came back, they had bought shoes and he was like, oh, I bought these shoes. I wanted to see what you thought about it. We exchanged numbers and we started dating. He was in the army. Actually, he was going to the West Point Preparatory School. Mm. Um, and we got engaged just with the idea that we were going to be committed to each other. We didn't talk about marriage, but then he got orders to move and Uh, He told me, oh, well, the military won't pay you to move with me unless we're married. So in three months, (laughs) we got married (sighs) in my mom's house with a bunch of people. I had no idea who they were. (laughs) (laughs) With some strange photographer, all the pictures, most of the pictures came out way too dark. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So uh, I don't know if you wanted me to go into the details now about that marriage yes yes please the first two years were complete honeymoon nobody said no we didn't argue um as far as I knew everything was perfectly happy hunky dory and one evening we had rented a UCR tape a movie yeah (laughs) those were the days the movie and uh, he was waiting for me. I was on the phone. One of those long wall phones with the banana. It looked like a banana. I'm on the <laughs> phone talking to my mom, just whatever, just talking. And he kept coming into the room, checking. And uh, he said, are you done yet? I was like, oh, not yet. Then he came back again and he said, don't even bother now. He was like a little huffy. And I happened to be finishing up the call. I hung up the phone and that was the end of that. He came next to me. He ripped the phone off the wall, the whole unit off the wall, threw it onto the floor, grabbed me by my jaw. And we had like this uh, laundry area inside, almost like a double door closet. And there was space between the machines. So he pushed me into the space between the machines and shoved me up against the wall. And he was not a big guy. I'm five foot two. I think he was five eight yeah um very slender built because he's in the military but very slender but he pushed me up against that wall i don't even remember if he said anything uh but in a second it was like a light switch went off all of a sudden he just stopped and he went outside to hang laundry
0: (laughs) as if nothing happened
1: happened And, and i don't remember to this day how I felt at that moment, or I just kind of felt surprised and didn't really think much of it. We didn't watch the movie. Right. Um, And then every now and then, that same thing would happen. One time his parents, he's also Hawaiian, that's how I got to live in Hawaii. Um, But his parents came to visit when we were living in Hawaii and we had gone to the beach. We came back from the beach. They were outside and he asked me to go inside and get towels. And apparently I wasn't fast enough. So he came in and he grabbed me by my jaw again, dragged me down the hallway and shoved me up against the shower wall. Pretty hard that time, actually. Uh, That was his thing. He didn't usually physically hit me. It was Mm -hmm. always the jaw thing. And then... Um, the last, there was a few times, but then the last time it happened, so fast forward now we're at six and a half years total. So okay. the first five years were honeymoon. Right. And four and a half years I stayed with him with the abuse. Um, so the last time I was in the kitchen washing ditches, I don't remember the conversation. I said something apparently he didn't like, I'm facing the sink, he's to my left and he punched me in my shoulder Hard enough that I fell to the floor. Thankfully, I missed the refrigerator because it sticks out. Yeah. And for me at that moment, it was like my light switch went. Because all of a sudden, I felt this calm. And I he left, right? The light switch in him went off. And he left as if nothing happened. And I just laid on the floor. And I had this realization that some I needed to do something. Um, I will say, I've been with people when we watch movies where there's someone being abused and like oh I don't understand why she doesn't just leave well because you're afraid the person's going to come after you yeah Yeah. so I want to make that clear right so I was laying there and I realized my arm was a little sore I knew it wasn't broken nothing was wrong with it but I needed an excuse we were living across the street from the military quarters and uh I knew where the clinic was So I told him I was going to walk over to the clinic. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, no, I'm not going to let you walk because it won't look good. I'll drive you. He's like, no, that's okay. So I started to walk. And then he pulled up next to me. And that kind of scared me a little. I didn't know if I wanted to get in the car with him. But I got in the car and he drives me to the clinic and dropped me off. (laughs) Which I thought was weird. because yeah i'm like wait i thought you'd want to go in and cover for yourself or whatever so he dropped yeah. off. he said he was going home to mow the lawn <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so i went in and i told them what happened and they said it was a friday they said i could go to a shelter for the weekend um, but if i did that they would have to report it to a ceo or to a ceo sorry yeah and i thought about it his father's military, his grandfather's military, they're all lifers and he was really good at what he did. He didn't finish West Point because he just didn't want to be an officer. But he was a very good soldier and I wasn't out to destroy his life. I just wanted my own back. But I knew I didn't want to go home. So I went to the shelter. Uh, It was dark and dank. I was the only, I don't know how to put it, patient there. Uh, So it was depressing. Yeah. Not helpful.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I've been to shelters myself, so I can, they're probably a little different, but they are, they are depressing, almost more depressing than the situation you're in. Yeah. And especially, like I said, because I was the only
1: woman there and there was not really anybody to talk to. Yeah. So Sunday when I went home, I then also found out that his uh, officer's, took him out of our place. So I thought, well, somebody should have let me know. I could have gone home. Right. They took away his shotgun, which I was never afraid of that. Um, but they took that. And then they made him go to anger management class, whatever you call it. And they made me, they made us go to marriage counseling. Neither of which worked. Mm-hmm. Um, came home from anger management class angry. Because he didn't like being labeled an abuser. Right. And counseling didn't work. Because what happens with counseling, you run out of time and they let you go. Mm -hmm. Even if he was angry. Yes. I thought, that's crazy. You're sending me home with an abusive person when he's angry just because the clock went ding. Yes. And then he had to go to ranger training so that's a way he went away. It was supposed to be three months, but he got some infection in the swamp training. So he had to redo some of it. So it was a total of five months. So I had five months to myself. And I had the realization that even though we were trying to work things out, it was time to move on. Yeah. So when he came home, literally, I coincidentally, I started the sentence to ask for the divorce and he finished
0: it. Really? So he yeah. was in the same place? Yeah, apparently. So,
1: so up- and in the military, nobody makes a lot of money Not if you're right. not an officer. At that point, we had bought a ranch home and we had all our own stuff. We had to sell almost all the furniture so that I could move back to New Jersey. Um, so I, I, I actually felt a little sad for him when I left. My parents came to get me. And when I left, I thought, how awful is that? There wasn't even like a couch, a chair. There was nothing for him to sit on. And as soon as we crossed the border to New Jersey, I just felt
0: this amazing relief. I
1: felt free.
0: Right. So in hindsight, because you had never really dealt with much in the domestic violence situation, do you feel there were red flags that maybe you missed because you just didn't know? In the, or in
1: the two years of hunting? In the two
0: years, yeah.
1: Absolutely. nothing. No, I've looked back on it a million times. That right. one day when he just suddenly snapped, that was it.
0: How wild. And did you keep in contact with him after the divorce?
1: Um, I did not. I did have to reach out to him once because the car registration was in both our names. Um, so I had to get that settled. Oddly enough, a few years ago, he reached out to me on Facebook, I, I don't know how he found me, whatever, and I have to say I was concerned that maybe he was thinking of suicide because it was mm. very odd. He um, he asked to call me and we got on the phone and he apologized, but not just saying, I'm sorry, he was very detailed. Mm. about what he was sorry for and he thought about maybe why he did it and I mean it's been so long you're talking about probably what almost 20 years
0: yeah but maybe maybe things were happening in his life that he had like a crossroad moment and thought this woman was good to me and I was not good to her I know he remarried a year after (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I wonder what their relationship was like. That is so crazy. So you move back home to New Jersey and then how long before you get remarried or start dating again?
1: Uh, I mean, I actually started dating right away. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm not one of those people to let my woes and whatever hold me back even back then. Um, and I was living with my parents, uh, even they encouraged me to start dating. Back then, we had newspaper ads, right, for dating. Oh, really? My <laughs> mom so actually put the newspaper on my bed. I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> hint, hint. But it was about three years later that I met what would become my second husband. Uh, fortunately, that was mostly good. Nine years. Uh, I have a son now from him. Um, just towards the end. So when we met, we were both in IT. Uh, And when we moved in with each other, we didn't combine anything. We just figured if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. But We shared money. We did whatever with no questions, no problems, no nothing. And then he decided to um, change careers. We together actually went into a real estate investing franchise. I put my computer career on hold (laughs) for what was supposed to be six months. It ended up being three years. Um, but then, uh, the finances became secret, even though I was in the business with him. Anytime I tried to talk about finances, he got annoyed. Uh, and I found out why. So actually, so backing up a little bit before we started the franchise, we already decided to start trying to have a child. Mm Mm-hmm then when he when we decided to start the franchise, we realized maybe not a good time. Well, it was too late. a week after we started the franchise, I tested positive for being pregnant, and uh we had to go away to Texas almost right away to train for the franchise. I had a brand new baby. I just felt like I felt like this string was being pulled out of my back as I drove to the airport. My baby was behind me, you know, yeah. Um, so like I said, the the finances became secret and he would spend money without me even knowing it. Things would show up at the door. He was very into his things and keeping up with the Joneses. He wouldn't even carry the baby bag that I bought. He bought this really expensive backpack, which ended up not even getting used. He bought like the latest and greatest universal remote. It just showed up at the door. Yeah. The next thing I know, uh, he's telling me that we're signing for bankruptcy. Um, yeah. We were going into bankruptcy. Uh, we had a 3,000 square foot home that we had bought in Pennsylvania. That I absolutely loved. Um, I had painted murals. My son's whole room was like this adorable animal mural that I painted, and we even had a routine. I would hold him in my arms, and every night we would touch each of the animals and say good oh. night. And uh, so we were going into bankruptcy. So we had to short sale the home,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: but because of the way he was doing business. Um, he actually got a check for $10,000 at the closing, which is not what's supposed to happen at a short sale. Right. Um, I saw none of that. Uh, oh it got gosh. to the point that I had to ask for money for groceries and then explain why.
0: Oh my goodness. Um,
1: and then when we moved into an apartment, uh, it was a nice apartment, seven seventh floor again still in pennsylvania we don't actually a view of the city skyline but uh suddenly one day he came to me and he asked me how i felt about gun ownership well i already can't trust him right yeah
0: into this thing now you're gonna give him a gun
1: Yeah. so (laughs) i said well i don't really love the idea i've never loved the idea anyway yeah three months later He asked me again, but the question got changed. Instead of how do you feel about gun ownership, it was how do you feel about me owning a gun? So the red flag in my brain went flying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And because he was a real estate investor, he was often not home. Now, at this point, I had gone back into computers, but I worked on contract and I was in between contracts. I didn't have a job. Mm -hmm. which was good because then when he was out, I did a little research. Mm. Um, The first time actually he was home, it was my birthday. He was in the shower and our cars were parked in a garage at the bottom of the building. So I had to go to the daycare center to pick up our son. I took both our car keys and I opened up his hatchback and there were big boxes and big bags. And I looked, I opened the bags and they, I couldn't really tell what those were for sure, but it looked Mm -hmm. like it came from the sporting goods store. So then I looked under the driver's side seat and there was a soft case, a triangular soft case for a handgun. And I pulled it out. I unzipped it. I didn't touch the gun. I took a picture. I put it all back. And now I was shaking, not because I was scared he wasn't that kind of person, right. but I felt played for a fool. So I was so angry. I was really Well, shaking. and a
0: marriage is a partnership. You're supposed to do things with your partner's knowledge, not behind their back.
1: Right. So then... I drove to pick up my son. I called my mom. I told her what was going on. She asked me if I was scared for myself. I said, no. She said, well, what are you going to do? I'm supposed to go out for birthday dinner that night. I said, I'm going to dinner because he always bought me nice things. (laughs) So I got home. I dummied up. I calmed myself down. We went out to dinner. I got a diamond bracelet. Ooh, okay. (laughs) And uh, I think it was two days later. Oh, then the next day, I did some more hunting around, and in his office closet on the top shelf was a computer bag. I took it down, and there was a gun in there also because he told me if he got a gun, it would either be, either be in the house or in the car. So
0: now he's got both. Now
1: he's got both. So I opened the computer bag. I took pictures. I put it back. I also found, I didn't know what it was called at the time, I had to look it up, this little thing, metal tube, it looks like a cigarette, it's called a one-hitter, it's for pot, which back then was not legal, and now we have a small child. Right. So I had found that also. So I had confronted him, I guess about two or three days later, three hours of yelling, mostly yelling. I didn't want to tell him what I found. I wanted him to come out and say it. And finally, yeah. after three hours, he said, oh, you mean the gun? And I said, what? keep going. What else? So after that conversation, um, we tried going to marriage counseling. It didn't work. We'd go and the counselor would give him assignments to gain my trust back. And yeah. he would tell the counselor, oh, yeah, sure. And We would get home and he said, that sounds stupid. I'm not going to do that. So I went into the guest bedroom and hoped to find a job back in New Jersey. We're still in Pennsylvania, back in New Jersey, back with my parents. And my mom just finally said, you know, it doesn't matter. Just move home. We'll figure out the job. So he and I agreed that I would take my son and I would, oh, first he asked me if I'd stay in Pennsylvania. Now, remember, I don't have a job. So I said, are you going to help me like pay for rent? And he literally just said, no. (laughs) Well, then I guess I'm moving
0: back home. Yeah.
1: So we moved back home. Um, This was what? 2010, 2010. We shared a 10 by 10 room, my son and I.
0: Um, and I bet you you were feeling just probably very defeated at this point.
1: At that point I was because now, you know, I went through the first marriage where I was abused and now I've been with him and, you know, he just completely placed me for a fool. He literally didn't even want to try to fix anything. Yeah. And then I go from, I mean, not I'm not a things person, but I go from a no. 3 square foot home to a really nice apartment, you know. Two-hour
0: room. Room
1: with my parents. Yeah. So, and then, so the schools in the town where my parents live, the middle school anyway, has a really low report card, only because at the time, over 80% of the kids in that school are non-English speaking, they're Hispanic. Mm -hmm. So they have to keep the educational level
0: lower lower
1: than them. And I didn't want my son to go through that. You know, I didn't think it'd be a bad school, but I want him to have a proper education. So I did... Everything I possibly could. Now, I had $3,000 for my name. Okay. No savings, no life insurance, no retirement, no nothing. Right. $1,000. I still to this day don't know how I did it, but I paid for him to go to a private school. Oh, wow. And it took me six months. It's never taken me that long to get a contract. It took me six months to get a contract. I drove most of the time an hour and a half to two hours one way. I had to call my parents a lot of times to pick up my son because if you were late picking him up it was
0: you know they start charging you
1: or whatever for like every five or ten minutes something like that. Yeah. So thank god for them for that. Uh, My mom refused to babysit. Uh, She did once in a while but very rarely and I mean that was okay because I didn't really have anyone that I knew or anywhere to go. A few years into that, uh, I realized I should probably not have my son and I sharing a room. I mean, we were only in there to sleep anyway. Yeah. So I started looking at places and my mom said she didn't want me to move out. Well, then we need to make other arrangements. So my parents had a small office downstairs um, on the main floor next to the kitchen, nine by nine. (laughs) So I took that space and left my son upstairs by the one bathroom uh, in the 10 by 10 room. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: So after a total of seven years of paying for private schools and trying to get my life put back together again, um, actually, probably after six years, I had enough finances um, that I could then move out Um, and actually we were kind of forced into it because his private school shut down the upper grades due Mm. to attendance so I had a month (laughs) that's how much notice they gave us to figure out what I was going to do I found out you can pay to go outside your school district I never knew okay same as paying for a private school and you have to apply Um, I applied to Two schools that I'm going to say snotted us out. <laughs> <laughs> and then I applied to Oceanport where we live now. So we moved. So in 2016, uh, he started going to Oceanport and we still were living in Red Bank. And then in 2017, I found an apartment in Oceanport. So oh, now I nice. paid for the apartment and he was going to school for free. And we've been here ever since.
0: Oh, my goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, so let's see, I have to fast forward my questions because we kind of covered it quickly. So financially, when it wasn't looking good, mentally, it was probably not feeling good either. So what did you do to get yourself in a healthy space where you weren't panicking? Cause I know when I'm in a financial issue, I'm like depressed and like, how did you stay upbeat? And it was really
1: difficult when I moved home um, with my son, when I moved home the first time it was just me. Right. But then when I moved home with my son, Had a lot going on in my head. Who's gonna wanna date a woman of that age with a young child? Right? Because I started a little late in life. Um so I had that going on. And yeah, then my finances, of course, my credit score was in the crapper because of the bankruptcy. Right. I had no money, had no savings, you know, I didn't know what to do. So I didn't have, thankfully, long periods where I felt really down on myself, and I immediately reached out to my ex's financial planners um, to get that going. Mm. They helped me almost immediately learn some tricks of the trade as far as getting my credit score up. Um, We talked about my financial future and what I needed to do, so I just tried to focus on the future. Right. Right what I needed to, I like to say now, take action on uh, to make those things happen. Like, I didn't want to drive an hour and a half to two hours.
0: Right. I months. mean, who does? Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, there were jobs closer by that I turned down because it just didn't pay. Right. But at that right. point, I needed the pay. So right. I I suffered. That was probably more stressful than anything else.
0: The, the driving, commute, yes. The commute absolutely.
1: and not, and then being like, I call in an absentee parent. I didn't have time to spend with my son. I was right. constantly on the road or at work. Right. So, yeah, to stay mentally up, I just tried to really focus on moving forward. I didn't look back. I tried not to get
0: stuck on being downtrodden. Yeah, that's Excellent. Because that's a lot of the times people, you know, when they're financially in the hole, they just kind of throw their hands up in the air and say, I give up. I'm depressed and I just can't do it. And it does financially when you're in that position, you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know what I mean? Right. So how long did it take you, you said seven years, to kind of get everything it probably to
1: took six years. The seventh mm-hmm. year is when we finally moved out. But I, I'd have to really look at it again. But I think I figured out recently it was about six years till, I mean, I was really ready. I had my credit score was pretty high. It's higher now. Um, I had the two financial planners. I had two life insurance plans. Mm. Uh, definitely working on some uh retirement funds. I had some extra savings. So yeah, six years. Wow. That's
0: wonderful from starting where you were. Yeah. So do you think realistically, if someone is in like major credit card debt, that's usually the main thing these days is people are in this major credit card debt. Do you think if they chip away at it and they just keep working at it, that it is possible to get out of that situation?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm fortunate that I've never been a big credit card junkie. Right. (laughs) So I've never had a great deal of debt. I've had a few credit cards, but I try to keep the limit low. Mm -hmm. But there's definitely a few strategies to credit cards. It depends on the percentage uh, rate, you know, that it's, Taking away from you. You Right. Sometimes you can combine them. There's definitely different ways, but for sure, just about anybody, if they focus properly and even get the advice from a financial planner or an accountant, um, you can definitely get that down.
0: Okay. Okay. So, not you're so it, you don't necessarily have to think that, oh my gosh, I'm in this debt. I have to file for bankruptcy. There's a way out of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, So tell us how you started Aspire Life Coaching.
1: So four years ago, I actually was a health coach. Um, I was a consultant for a different company, so it didn't work for myself. Mm -hmm. But the health coaching included not just diet, talking about diet and eating. It talked about your environment, your headspace your um, people that you surrounded yourselves with uh, all kinds of things that really affect your health, which in, in turn affect your weight. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But then I don't know, I just felt like I had hit this glass ceiling as far as my income. uh, And like I said, I was working for a different company and I just thought I had more to bring to the table based on my backstory. Um, Mm -hmm. That I could inspire others with so I actually went to my younger brother has now also a multi-million dollar company that he formed almost by accident in less really in less than 10 years wow that's amazing and by accident Almost by accident. Yeah. Wow. He invited me to this all day motivational speaking event on Zoom and I went to his house and we watched it. And within the first hour, I just knew I said, this is what I want to do. I want to be a life coach and I want to be a motivational speaker. So the life coaching to me is really an expansion of the health coaching because it it still kind of takes that into account. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wanted to break away from working for somebody else.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's a lot of our goals is to work for ourselves and to share our stories, especially when we go through so much, you know? So and what-
1: I, I would like to add, actually, my yeah. first lesson learned. Um, I was one of those people that was always afraid to write down my goals. Mm-hmm. I always felt that If I wrote it down and I didn't get there either soon enough or at all that I would feel like I failed. So that day of the motivational speaking was a Friday. I promised myself I was going to write down my goals. When I got home that evening, I wrote down, this is where I am. This is where I want to be. And this is what I have to do in between to take action to get there. Mm -hmm. I promised myself by the following Friday, I would have my LLC, signed, sealed, delivered, paid for, legal, da-da-da. I was in my car as a passenger my son was driving when the next Friday, I got an email from my business attorney with my paperwork, signed, sealed, delivered, paid for,
0: da-da-da. Wonderful. There's something to be said about writing your goals down.
1: I have been writing it down ever since.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's wonderful. Wonderful. So can you tell us a little bit of what you offer in your life coaching?
1: Yep. So I focus mostly on women because I feel that they can certainly um, associate to my story, to me as a woman, but I do also work with men and I focus on getting past your fears, your self-doubts, in order to help you move forward with your goals, your aspirations, those type of things.
0: Nice, nice. And so how many people are you servicing now?
1: So I have about 10 clients now. Um, some are focused more on the health aspect and mm-hmm. a few are on the life side. Um, I, I will also say that I would do Group coaching. I'm trying to currently um, get an appointment in with a real estate office. Oh, nice! And speak to them. So there is group coaching. I have a program for that. I have for the individual coaching. There's a 90 day program that we go through one day a week. Mm. Of course, they can always continue after that if they
0: choose to. Wonderful, wonderful. So, where? What do you think your future holds for you? Where are you headed? I'm so
1: excited. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, it's part of writing down the goals. um, And I'm not going to mention numbers, but I do have numbers in mind for me for next year. Um, And, I mean, I do live a pretty free life right now. My schedule is pretty flexible. But, like I mentioned, my son is potentially going away to college next year. And I really want to be able to travel without having to worry about the money, without having to worry about the time or a job. I just really want to be free. Um, I've always heard saying that every generation should be better than the last. Uh, Although my mother owned a store for over 30 years, uh, she took it over from my father, she can't travel now. I mean, Mm -hmm. she traveled a lot during the time they owned the store, but... They didn't sell it for very much, and now they're just kind of living day to day. And yeah. I just I don't want that. You know, I know where it came from, not having money. and since I worked so hard to get to where I am now, I kind of feel like that's my prize.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you have to reap the rewards. That's the one thing I did notice myself, like with my grandparents, especially like they worked and they earned a very good living. But then when they got older and it was their golden years, they were living like literally day to day because of the medications and the things that they didn't foresee. I think they thought they were always going to be virile. And so they really didn't get to reap the rewards once they retired. And I thought, why do you work your whole life and you can't even enjoy it when you're retired?
1: Well, there's the opposite too, right? Like in corporate America, especially you see a lot of big wig CEOs or whatnot, and they work and they work and they work. And then they don't have time to enjoy that either. What's the point in working and making all that money if you don't
0: have time to enjoy it? This is a fact. This is a fact. And so the fact that in 2010, you had a situation that seemed very bleak. And now here we are 2022. And you're able to, you got your son through private school. He's going to go to college. And you've built yourself a small little empire, really? Yeah. I mean, that is... Huge, and
1: I'm so- trying to now pass on the skills of entrepreneurship to him. I have—they call it a war board. So I have a whiteboard where I constantly move my goals. I'm here, I'm here, and this is what's in between. So I got my business. So now that's the I'm here. Then I have my individual uh, coaching, my group coaching. Um, And I have, I want to do motivational live speaking or Zoom, depending on the situation. So that keeps moving. And that's on half the board. I gave the other half of the board to him. Um, So he loves photography. He really loves cars. And he's really good at computers, too. (laughs) So um, for the photography, we figured out that there are websites out there where you can upload your pictures and then if people buy them for their websites, you get a small percentage. Mm -hmm. So I taught him about passive income. So we have, he's here, here's his passive income. This is what he has to do to get there.
0: Yeah, awesome. Now, if I said that to my 17 year old, she'd be like, oh yeah, right. (laughs) so good man that he listens to his mom and he just started his
1: first job this summer and he's very excited about that too.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, so what advice do you have for people who may don't may not have the confidence to, you know, to try to reach those goals? What advice do you have for them?
1: Um, so when you don't have the confidence, I would say, write it down. Um, Sometimes journaling isn't always what people think, like writing a story. Just write down random thoughts. Write down, you know, I am here. It's not always good to focus on where you were when you're in that state of mind. um, Usually where you were is good once you've made it to a certain point because you look back and you feel good about where you are. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, write down where you are, where you want to be. And what you need to do to take action. And even if you're at a state of mind where you don't do it right away, you just keep focusing on it. We call it also, we call it your why. Um, I did a lot of that, especially in the health coaching to get people to stay motivated to eat right and get mm-hmm. to full weight. So I always said, write it down and put it on your bathroom mirror so that you can see it every day. You need something to keep you motivated and keep you in action
0: yeah, it helps to, to sustain accountability.
1: Another good thing is people think of big things usually as the reward or the, the action to take on a larger goal. But actually smaller tasks, again, when you're in that frame of mind, can be helpful. I know it sounds silly, but I say make your bed. Yeah. When you get up in the morning, especially if you don't feel like it, that's the best time to do it. Make it. Stand there, look at it and say, oh, look, it's done. That is your first achievement of the day.
0: Yes. I had another lady say that to me once. Um, She was uh, in the military and she said that they made them make their bed because at least you've accomplished one thing. That day. So that is so true. That's a good piece of advice. Yeah,
1: I mean, even brushing your teeth, getting anything you do during the day, you stop and realize that it's actually an accomplishment, especially when you're feeling downtrodden. Mm -hmm. Those little things will help get you out of that hole, and then you can start more easily focusing on the bigger things.
0: Yeah, and it's very empowering to to achieve those goals where can people find you and your strategies so
1: i'm on facebook i'm on instagram and i'm on linkedin under aspire life coaching mm-hmm. you can definitely find me there um and i'll put
0: that in the show notes as well yep, yep. awesome awesome do you have anything else you would like to add
1: Um, So I do actually, in that motivational speaking event that I went to, uh, I listened to a gentleman, I won't plug any names, and I bought his book um, and it talks about the power of one more. Uh, So I like to tell people, don't quit, because the moment you quit is that one moment before
0: that something special could happen. That's a fact. That is a fact. Well, Dawn, this has been wonderful. I appreciate you meeting with me and sharing your story and sharing your life coaching.
1: Thank you so much. It was really fabulous being here. <laughs>